Blog Talk Radio. change up for today. Welcome to Milford House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. I'm J.M. West, author of the Carlisle Crime Cases, Dying for Vengeance, Courting Doubt and Darkness, Darkness at First Light, and How to Die and Fall, featuring homicide detectives Christopher Snow and Aaron McCoy. My newest book, Things Strangled, I hope will be released later in 2018. Hi, Sherry Knowlton here. I write the Alexa Williams suspense series featuring a young lawyer who keeps getting involved in dangerous situations. Uh, My current books are Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, and Dead of Spring, and I'm currently working on, yes, you guessed it, Dead of Winter. Sunbury Press publishes our novels. Its mystery imprint is Milford House. Today, Joan and I are going to discuss Texas Detective fiction, oh my, I started off flubbing it. Detective fiction, it's history, it's different genres, and more. Well, as we all know, the mystery genre is extremely popular because thousands of mysteries are published daily. This genre originated with Edgar Allan Poe. He wrote the first detective story in 1841 called Murders in the Rue Morgue with his detective, C. Auguste Dupin, using ratiocination, which briefly defined, he defined, as analytical or deductive deductive reasoning based on observations, which is a rather innovative concept at the time, to solve the mystery. His deadline, his detective stories contain every element that suspense writers use today. The description of the crime scene, the keen investigator, an unknown killer, the cover-up, a close examination of the clues, the discovery and elimination of suspects, and finally, the identification and apprehension of the killer. Poe spent some time in France, so perhaps he had heard of Francois Vidoc. He was a criminal-turned-detective and became the first head of the first detective agency, the French Police de Surette, and that was in 1848. At crime scenes, Vidoc was the very first to use the rudiments of ballistics, to use plaster of Paris molds for his footprints, and collected and centralized criminal data. Across the years, other famous authors have added to the genre. Uh, I think everybody's heard of Dame Agatha Christie. Uh, she wrote at least 83 Miss Mar- Marple and Hercule Poirot mysteries. Uh, many are still in print or or films, uh, most notably the recent uh, Murder on the Orient Express movie. Uh, Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle created Sherlock Holmes, the most detective, uh, famous detective in the English-speaking world at least, uh, 
Um, his first book was The Study in Scarlet, and of course there were many after that. Dorothy Sayers is known for her Lord Peter Whimsey series, uh, another early detective author was G.K. Chesterton, uh, who wrote the Father Brown series. Um, a lot of those may seem a little quaint and dated today, but the cozy, as they're called, is still popular. Uh, for example, James Runcie's novels about an English vicar in the village of Grantchester have become a very popular PBS series. I think there's a new season on tap soon. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the cozy type of mystery in a moment, but first some more history. Well, on this side of the pond, the Americans developed another brand of detective, hard-driven loners who cut to the chase with spare description and sparse dialogue. In my view, Raymond Chandler has the best definition of detective in an essay called The Simple Act of Murder. And I'm paraphrasing and quoting both. Down these mean streets goes a man who is a hero. He must be a complete man, a common man, yet an unusual man. He must be a man of honor. He must be the best man in the world and good enough for any world. He is the man of honor in one thing. He is a man of honor in all things. He is a relatively poor man, or he would not be a detective at all. And then he concludes with, if there were enough like him in the world, the world would be a very safe place. So Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe, Dashiell Hammett's Sam Spade, and Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer, as in the book I, the Jury, they were hard-boiled, no-nonsense loners, and they had little time or patience for anything except their cases, and maybe an eye, uh, for the, a few dames with good games. Uh, they were popular during the 40s and 50s, 1940s and 1950s. Uh, but since then, detectives have evolved, and writers have taken the concept of that hard-bitten detective in many different directions. Uh, John D. McDonald, who's probably my biggest writing influence, um, he kept the knight-errant aspect of those hard-boiled detectives with his protagonist, Travis McGee. But he gave McGee a little bit more of a life, uh, he, a houseboat, a sidekick who was an economist, and a real passion for justice. Uh, other authors have continued to put their own twist on the concept of the detective, the loner detective. Um, Sarah Paretsky with her groundbreaking female private investigator, V.I. Warshawski, uh, to Lee Child's wildly successful roving tough guy, Jack Reacher. Today, the modern crime novel consists of a contest of wills between the detective, whether he or she is a PI, the police, an amateur, uh, a lawyer, a doctor, and the criminal. In the classic version, there's often uh, no uh, mystery about who committed the crime because many times the novelist describes it in gruesome detail in the prologue or the first few pages. And, and then the plot becomes a cat-and-mouse game between the wily investigator and the cagey killer. The prose is often matter-of-fact, uh, sometimes grim and naturalistic at its most elemental and dark, 
the crime novel uh, is known as noir. Uh, you may have heard about its parallel in movies called film noir, but in noir fiction, the world is depicted as pretty bleak. The hero is confronted by a system that's rigged uh, against him, but he or she still persists. Most of those early 40s and 50 writers that I mentioned and, and that Joan mentioned, Chandler, Hammett, Spillane, along with James Elroy, they perfected the art of noir. Back then, it was usually set in the big city. But today, noir can be set anywhere. There's a sub-sub-genre, um, sometimes known as hillbilly noir, that exists today. Winter's Bone and Bull Mountain are, are two recent examples of, of hillbilly noir. Um, it's a word, a world of, path, of poverty, mess, and dead ends. Um, another example uh, of how much the noir uh, genre has expanded are three notable Nordic writers uh, who also write stories that are so bleak they can be called noir. Uh, Stieg Larsson, um, the author, the late author of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and the subsequent books, um, also um, recently died, Henning Mankell, um, poor Kurt, Kurt Wallander just couldn't ever catch a break, and Joe Nesbo's Harry Hole series. You know, maybe it's the long winters in Norway and Sweden that view the, infuse their writing with such bleak hopelessness. Well, since you mentioned the subgenre, let's continue in that vein. We've already referred to the cozy. A cozy is usually set in a tranquil rural region where you would unlike, unlikely expect the crime to happen, like in the Cotswolds, England, that formed the backdrop for many cozies, or for in St. Mary Mead for Miss Jane Marple. Others from across the pond include Father Brown and Lord Peter Wimsey that Sherry already mentioned. More recently, Canadian Louise Penny's quaint Three Pines sets the stage for some rather strange characters and bizarre murders. Others include Laura Child's knitting series, Ellen Crosby has a wine series, and Diane Mott Davison, she's a caterer, and she has the body, body in the library, body uh, series and it makes you want to curl up in the sofa with one of those. And I'm sure many mystery fans out there can, you know, have their very own favorites. Um, another subgenre is called the police procedural, and my Carlisle crime cases fit in that category, meaning that the detectives are the key figures, and their job is to track down the clues, uncover the crime, and unmask the killer. I would put Raymond Chandler, Mickey Spillane, Mike Conley, Lisa Gardner, Sue Grafton, and Karen Slaughter in that category. In this genre, even though the male detectives are more hard-edged or hard-boiled, as their own term is, um, I, I also I'd be remiss at this point if I didn't mention William Kent Kruger, who is Cork O'Connor. It's a series about a sheriff who becomes a P.I., and he flips burgers during the summer months and solves murder with the yeah with the aid of a Native American mentor, a midi-ing, a healer. Uh, and if we have just a couple minutes for a quick commercial, I'd like to add that uh, Kruger is the is going to be the major speaker at Bossler Library's October um, Celebrate the Book Festival. 
It's the third week in October, and our writing critique group is also presenting a panel called The Writer's Journey. Finally, offshoots of the crime novel include Medical, and I would uh, put Patricia Cromwell with that group, Scientific, there's Tess Gerritsen, Forensic, we uh, interviewed uh, Beverly Connor, she would fit in that group, Historical, Jacqueline Winspear, who writes the excellent Maisie Dobbs series, and legal thrillers and courtroom dramas. Uh, Lisa Scottolini is a really good example there. Detectives can be amateurs. They can be formal military police. They can be park rangers, private investigators, or, or even other uh, walks of life. I love all the quirky types of detectives that there are today. Um, you know, there's so many different types. Uh, mm -hmm. Two of my favorites are the FBI agent, the very unique, unique FBI agent, Aloysius Pendergast, uh, who, Pendergast who's in the Lincoln Childs books. Um, mm -hmm. And another is Gabrielle Allon, who restores um, masterpieces of art, uh, but also happens to be a Mossad agent. Uh, and that's in the Daniel, Daniel Silva series. Um, I would uh, insert one thing. The Bosler Library that uh, Joan just talked about is in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, uh, for those of you who aren't as familiar. But back to genres. Um, my books contain a strong element of mystery, but they lean more toward the suspense, which is another genre. Um, although my protagonist happens to be a lawyer, she spends uh, little time in the courtroom, but instead is out and about finding dead bodies, escaping from dangerous situations, and uncovering deadly plots. Uh, suspense and its cousin, the thriller, they aim at eliciting an emotional response from the reader. Um, murder mysteries, the early, the cozies, they can be a little bit more academic or, or dry. But thrillers uh, and suspense focus on fear. Uh, they build doubt and dread as the plot progresses. Uh, sometimes the crime and the killer are known. In fact, sometimes in uh, these books you get the point of view of the killer as well. So both the protagonist and the killer uh, you know, talk a bit throughout the book. But the heroine or hero is under physical and a physiological constant attack. Another big element that you often see uh, in almost certainly in thrillers, but sometimes in suspense, is uh, what uh, authors call the ticking clock. Uh, often the hero, hero or heroine is working against time to stop something terrible from happening. Uh, the Day of the Jackal is an example, Three Days of the Condor, the, the Dan Brown movies, they're classic thrillers. Then... Of course, there's subgenres of thrillers, uh, legal thrillers. You know, think John Grisham or Greg Isles, spy thrillers like those of Robert Ludlum, Gail Lenz, uh, who now writes Robert Ludlum series with him, uh, Vince Flynn. Uh, there can even be an element of supernatural in thrillers. You know, we often think of Stephen King purely as a horror writer, but just think about the way he 
terrorizes his characters with mad dogs, thunderous cars, kid-snatching murderers, uh, and even the devil himself in needful things. And often there's a, a ticking clock or, a, a, you know, the, the elements of suspense and thriller. Dean Kuhn is another one who falls uh, into that category along with King. Yeah, and then there are the hybrids to consider, especially the ones uh, lately uh, published whose unreliable narrators, uh, like in Gone Girl and The Girl on the Train, keep readers guessing. Uh, my favorite in this genre is a little-known Brunonia Berry's Lace Reader, which has a, an excellent twist at the end. Also, a number of successful authors have thrown romance into the equation, including Robert Cray in The Last Detective and Robert Dugoni's Tracy Crosswhite series and Julia Spencer Fleming's Claire Ferguson and Russ Van Alstyne has um, she's a uh, Episcopalian priest and he's the uh, local sheriff. And finally, there's J.D. Robb's science fiction murder series featuring Eve Dallas in the In Death series, which are really quite popular, uh, and which comes along with a rich and sexy husband Rourke, who's always providing romance and intrigue. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked in another podcast with uh, one of the authors that we interviewed about the differences between uh, literary fiction and popular fiction. Uh, Literary fiction uh, is the one that usually ends up winning the most prestigious prizes. Uh, You know, the Pulitzer, the Nobel, although, you know, Bob Dylan did get the Nobel as well. But on the other hand, um, crime fiction, uh, it usually falls in the category, the broader category of popular fiction, which some people look down on with a a little bit. Um, But it has a broad base of readers. Some of the most well-known authors who write uh, different types of crime fiction, the the different types that we've talked about, uh, regularly appear on the New York Times bestseller list. And as a rule, um, I would say that crime fiction often, uh, you know, as a whole, uh, which is why it's, I guess, called popular fiction, it it sells better than literary fiction. Now, there are always individual uh, novels, and perhaps over time the greats of literary fiction have sold way more than any specific um, crime fiction novel. But... There's over 65,000 books today on Amazon's mystery and suspense category. So clearly something about crime fiction in all its genres and subgenres appeal to today's readers. Yeah, obviously, because so many people are buying them. So you might (laughs) ask, why is crime fiction in all its many genres so popular? Amid the ruthlessness and greed and anger and corruption in our society, I think readers psychologically seek out order, kindness, reason, generosity, and it's a common decency. And we need a hero or heroine to unknot these entanglements, to look up to, people who uphold truth and justice and enforce the law. I know that sounds rather old-fashioned, but a good example is Mike Connolly's Hieronymus Bosch, which is now a Netflix series. It's just such a detective Flawed as humans are, but he chooses to do the right thing. In my second novel, Courting Doubt and Darkness, 
Detective Snow and Savage are dispatched to the Latour Creek, where they find the nude body. But by tracking the clues, they learn that the woman worked for the Susquehanna River Basin and that her death was connected to the Marcellus shale industry. I found that by giving my characters free reign, the book practically wrote itself. More importantly, the theme in the title, Courting Doubt and Darkness, uh, I found from a Morris West uh, quote. Who he is the author of the Vatican trilogy, The Devil's Advocate, The Shoes of the Fisherman. But the quote um, goes explains about those who risk, who abandon security, reach out, and risk living with both arms, are courting doubt and darkness at the cost of knowing. That that I think appeals to one reason we read mysteries. These detectives, these police, the armed services, and the first responders accept the risk and move toward danger. We saw that in 9-11. These are truly heroes. One of the other reasons that I I think uh, people love crime fiction, um, they murder mysteries, suspense, thrillers, whatever the the particular book, they help you escape your routine, um, and that in itself is is fun. Uh, some people like to try to solve the mystery before the book ends. Um, you know, we like the twist. Um, you know, I'm a big mystery and thriller reader. Um, we like the twists and the turns, the the quirks, and also we like to learn. We, we like the education that these books give us about things like bones, DNA blood spatter, weapons, legal proceedings, um, you know, even historical settings that the author describes. Uh, we also like to travel. I, I, I always have liked to travel through the pages of a book to other states and to other countries, and, and you can do that all without leaving the comforts of home. Uh, in my book, Dead of Summer, Alexa travels to Africa on safari, uh, Key scenes in another book, Dead of Spring, take place in Tuscany and Umbria, Italy. Uh, so those are, you know, places that you can learn a little bit about by reading those books. Uh, similarly, in my books, you can learn about fracking, which is a popular topic, Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, sex trafficking, a, a govern, government corruption, uh, the militia movement, and, and so much more. But all the while, uh, while you're doing this learning, you can, uh, you know, be on the edge of your seat as well. So it's, it's a good combination. You know, I think the best reason for popular suspense fiction, I found in my college textbook, The St. Gar- Martin's Guide to Writing. In an essay, Why We Crave Horror Movies, Stephen King claims that the film appealed to our basest instincts. He writes that viewing the insanity of horror, and I'm quoting, keeps the gators swimming around in that subterranean river, which I interpret as a subconscious that's keeping our darkest emotions from emerging. I suggest that detective stories are popular for the very same reason. We are voyeurs to the madness of murder. We cringe at the creepy criminals because we are cocooned in the comfort and safety of our own homes, or so we think. (laughs) The the killing psychopaths are out there or somewhere else. 
But truth be told, we are all capable of exploding and letting those gators or dragons out. Hmm. <laughs> well, with that, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit, um, you know, about what our aim w- was today as, uh, as we, uh, you know, we have a bit more, but uh, as we go toward our wrap-up, uh, you know, we're assuming that many of you are mystery lovers because this is, after all, the Milford House Mystery Show you're listening to. But our aim today was to give uh, you all a taste of the different types of detective fiction. Um, some of you might be asking, well, do I really need to know all these different genres or subgenres and hybrid genres? Well, if you're a writer, it probably is important uh, to, uh, as you're writing your book to know where you fit in in the scheme of things. But if you're primarily a reader, uh, the answer to that question is really it depends. Uh, sometimes in a bookstore, uh, both brick and mortar and online, uh, use these types of categories when they organize their books. So it might help you uh, find a particular uh, type of book, especially if that's the one that you like. Um, you know, for instance, if you like cozies, uh, you know, some people prefer those, and it would be good to know that you're looking for a cozy. If you like books that are light on foul language, sex, and on-the-page violence, uh, other people like a supernatural or a historical twist. So knowing that right genre that you uh, is your favorite can help steer you to the right type of books. Um, but other readers are more eclectic and don't really care. They like to read just a broader range of mystery and suspense. For you folks, maybe it's not as important to know all these genres. Well, I do both. I read and write, so it's important for me. So wrapping up, true mysteries contain a crime, a sharp investigator, the killer who remains unknown, while the detectives hunt for him by eliminating suspects and evaluating the clues and identifying and apprehending the killer. They include the cozy, the hard-boiled, historical, legal, forensic, the police procedural, which are mine, and romantic suspense. Crime novels focus on a contest of wills in an unbalanced world. The sleuth is decent, honorable, and honest, but often fallible. And we often know who the criminal is because crime novels um, usually open with with the crime. Uh, The prose tends to be gritty, and noir is a subgenre of crime novels. And the suspense and thrillers scare us because they prey on our fear and our doubt and our dread, and that keeps us up at night. The crime is known. The protagonist is under constant attack whether physically or psychologically. The author may include supernatural element, but the hybrids also cross genres exist as well. Maybe we can examine them another day. But I'll just mention that Thomas Perry's Jane Wakefield series is one such hybrid because his protagonist helps people escape. So that's a rather fascinating uh, departure from the usual. Yeah, I love Jane. Um, I Mm -hmm. I look forward to each one of those Thomas Perry books coming out. Well, folks, uh, it looks like that's all we have time for today. I hope we haven't thoroughly confused you, but instead 
that you enjoyed hearing about the various genres of mystery, suspense, and thrillers. And a reminder to all of you readers and listeners out there, our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other retailers and bookstores. And a special thanks to all of you out there listening to the Milford House Mysteries. We hope you enjoyed our program. Tune in next time, which will be June 21st. Our guest will be Shelley Frome, author of Murder, Run, Tinseltown Riff, and Twilight of the Drifter. Until then, you can follow us on social media. Uh, I'm, In fact, I'm doing a contest right now for name a character in my next book. Uh, so I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com. Also on Facebook, I have an author page, and at Twitter. And I'm on Facebook.com backslash Carlisle Crime Cases by J.M. West. My website is under construction. So until next time. See you then.